selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Roth. We've nearly reached the end of the state's case against Robert and Christian. To this point, I think anyone looking at this investigation objectively would have to agree that the word weak does not even begin to describe the evidence against them. A business card found 300 yards away from the crime scene has Christian's DNA on it. Robert knew that there was a body in a wheelbarrow the day after the murders, which the state presented as guilty knowledge, but the evidence clearly shows that number one, it wasn't guilty knowledge, and number two, he heard that information from Javier. The jury heard that Robert's phone records indicated that at 7.13 p.m. he was headed towards the crime scene. We now know that this is flatly false. He was heading away from the crime scene during that call. And in fact, the full phone records corroborate every single move that Robert said they made on the night of the murders. The state presented evidence to convince the jurors that Robert and Christian were not alibied, even though they actually were. They did this through a drive test completed by investigator Bodmer, who convinced the jury that in a perfect world where the stars aligned just right, with a person trained in high-speed emergency driving with zero risk of being pulled over, could get from the crime scene to the Tower 88 Sector 2 coverage area in almost enough time to challenge the alibi. But we know that Robert's phone never connected to Tower 88 Sector 2. It connected to Sector 1, which completely invalidates that evidence. At this point, the state has exactly zero evidence that these young men ever left the valley on that night. They have zero evidence that they know anything about the crime. 
They have zero evidence that they were actually at the crime scene at the time of the murders. And most importantly, the evidence, without question, shows that they could not have been at the crime scene when Becky's body was lit on fire. With all that being said, there was one more piece of evidence that was presented to the jury by the state. This is Season 12, Episode 49, The Informant. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dobbies have lowered the prices on hundreds of everyday products. We'll strap it to the roof. Making them feel uh, even greater. Remember, it's all in the knees. So garden tools feel larger than garden sheds. And lift! Find great value every day in store and online. Tighten that strap! After all, spring's a big deal at Dobby's Garden Centres. That's the shears. Now for the trowel. Oh, Dad! Jeremy Witt. That's the name of the man that testified as an informant for the prosecution, but not at the trial. The path to the jury hearing Witt's testimony is almost unbelievable. Literally, it's hard to believe that this actually happened. First things first, Jeremy didn't testify at the trial. His testimony was read to the jurors from a previous hearing which meant that the defense was not able to cross-examine him in front of the jury. The jury was told that Witt was unavailable to testify, so California law allowed for his testimony from the previous hearing to be read out loud to them, like a play, with a stand-in playing Witt and the ADA Aki playing the parts of the attorneys. Now, the defense obviously was not going for this, and they made that clear to the judge but the read-in was allowed in anyway because technically they had a chance to cross-examine Witt during the pretrial hearing and that cross would be read to the jury just like the direct testimony. And that sounds fair, right? Well, I'm sure there are certain circumstances where a witness is truly unavailable and both sides already had a crack at them where something like this might be fair. But that's not at all what happened here. Here's the problem. Leading up to that pretrial hearing where Witt actually testified, the state refused to tell the defense who he was or what he was going to testify about. So yes, they did get a chance to cross-examine him, but they had to do so having no idea who he was, what his background was, what his history with the police was, nothing. They had no idea what to even ask him other than questions about what they just heard him say minutes before. After that hearing, now that they knew who they were dealing with, the defense did the type of background investigation that they would normally do before cross-examining a state's witness. But surprise, he's not coming to trial. 
and all you get is for the jury to hear the questions that you asked on the first day in the first hour that they ever saw him on the stand. I told you at the beginning of this season that the defense was handcuffed by the judge, and this is partially what I'm talking about. You already knew that they were not allowed to make any suggestion whatsoever that someone else could have committed this crime. None. You read that in Javier's testimony transcript. When Dolan simply asked Javier what Nick Corline was driving when they went up to the crime scene, objections were immediately raised, followed by a bench conference, followed by the judge ruling that he couldn't even ask that question because the truck was red, and the jury might think that it could have been the truck seen by the fire captain. When the state told the jury that Robert and Christian must have been at the crime scene because their phones didn't connect to any towers and there's no coverage up in Pinion Pines, the defense wasn't allowed to tell the jurors that Jacob's phone also didn't connect to any towers during the time of the murders. And I don't even mean that they could have used that to suggest that he was the guilty party. I mean, they couldn't use that just to point out that this is not an uncommon occurrence. And a phone being out of service does not equal evidence of being anywhere. That wasn't allowed. So they were left to mount a defense with only a fraction of the evidence available. And then we find out that the state told the defense that they'd never received the sector data and had them stipulate to it. So they didn't even have the evidence that proves through the jury that Robert and Christian were exactly where they said they were. And then, and sadly, this is a true statement. They weren't allowed to cross-examine the state's only witness who presented any evidence that the defendants had any involvement in these murders. You heard me right. There was exactly one piece of evidence presented at trial that actually suggested that Robert and Christian were involved in this crime and were at the crime scene at the time of the murders. And that was Jeremy Witt's read-in testimony. I'm going to be posting six different transcripts to our website. One is Jeremy Witt's, and the other five are defense witnesses that were put on the stand to impeach him. In this episode, I'm just going to give you the basics of what they all testified to. You can read their entire transcripts anytime you want to on the website. But for now, let's get started where this all began. The murders occurred on September 17, 2006. In the summer of 2007, LeClaire was given a copy of Robert's sector data, the sector data that we've been discussing these past few weeks. Shortly thereafter, he received the DNA results that said Christian's DNA was on that business card. He then executed search warrants to search both Robert's and Christian's houses. The Sheriff's Department seized a wide variety of items. Guns, computers, phones, shoes, etc. At the time, Christian was living with his girlfriend Jackie and her roommate Lois Robbins. At that point, all three of them were working at the Soak City Water Park. Christian had returned to work there by this point before he went into the Army. Nothing connecting the two to the murders was found during the search, and at that point, LeClaire shelved the investigation and it went inactive. Ron Friedley was pretty furious that his former department had given up on solving his daughter's murder. 
So he hired a private investigator, and he even put up a billboard on the highway that had a picture of a body burning in a wheelbarrow on it, and was asking for information about the murders. In 2009, the then-governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, approved a $50,000 reward for information on the case that resulted in an indictment. To this day, we don't know if that money was ever paid out, or if so, to whom. Now enter Jeremy Witt, but no one knows that it's him at this point. On October 4th of 2011, Detective Ken Patterson recorded this phone call with an anonymous tipster about the case. Detective Patterson? Yeah, how are you doing, sir? Um, I was trying to get a hold, I guess I got a hold of the dispatcher um, for the Palm Desert location. All right. And I was trying to get a hold of somebody with the cold case unit for the county sheriff's department. All right, well, you got a hold of the homicide unit. Okay, um, so I guess you could probably pass whatever information I give you along, correct? Right. Okay. Um, this is something that I think kind of bothered me a little bit, but I just put it in the back of my head and didn't really think about it for a few years. Okay. Um, I guess uh, there was a, some kind of homicide where there was a fire in the painted pines area a few years back. Uh-huh. And I have a name that that's all I feel like doing. I'm not going to give my name. I can tell you a little bit more information, but maybe it's something to work with. This, this, uh, this is a murder that happened in Pinion Pines, you said? Yeah, like I guess they were the victims were uh, shot to death and the house was burned down. Yes, I, I know the case. Okay, so it's involving that. Okay. And the name of the individual is Christian, just like the religion. Uh huh. The last name Smith. Okay, uh, he's, uh, I guess, his association with the individual who was dating a female that lived there or something like that. Um, he, he was? Uh, he was yeah. doing the dating? Well, I believe it was his friend doing the dating, and he was, uh, this is information that's actually come from a reliable source, uh-huh. being Mr. Smith himself and the, the roommate that he was with. The only thing is, like, I mean, he's uh, actually in the U.S. Army right now. Christian or the friend? Christian is in the army. Okay. Much, I mean, the guy with a little bit of a loose cannon, he could be, you know, kicked out or anything else like that by right now. Right. Um, and I know that the, the roommate, her name, was to kind of spill the information. Uh-huh. Was, uh, her name is Lois. Lois? Rob. Yeah, like L-O-I-S. Uh-huh. Robin. Conestone. And she's the one that told Christian? No, Christian allegedly was involved, and she was talking about it. And I, you know, I tend to, you know, listen more than I talk, I guess you could say. Gotcha. And I kind of overheard some things, and, you know, but basically, I, I don't want to stretch me. There's obviously for you guys to do your work, but uh-huh. I'm, I'm guessing that he's probably the one that actually lit the fire. Okay, but you, you overheard Lois talking. Yeah, and I, I talked to him. I don't want to get into too much detail, but uh, for my how myself, but I have a little bit of skills myself to try and talk to people, I guess you could say. And he, without without throwing all his cards on the table, he kind of, he, I, I can read body language pretty well. He right. pretty much, I think, is a good source to start maybe looking at. Huh. I mean, did you, you just overheard this. I mean, did you know about the, the situation that had happened, or it just something that, that piqued your interest when you heard him talking about it? Well, it was, so I didn't really know about it, um, and this was a place of business. I got out of the Marine Corps myself, mm-hmm. and was just working a job trying to, you know, 
start a life again. And, you know, between co-workers and such like that, it's something that came up and I didn't even, I mean, I, they, it was so much detail, I was like, okay, this is going to be bullshit. Right. Until I saw on the news like a few weeks ago, it was like, you know, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And I think that at some point they were talking about the police actually went to a location in Palm Springs to, you know, I guess look for the boyfriend or whoever it was. At that time, this would be maybe about 2007 or 2008. And that's when she started, like, freaking out. I said, wait a minute, what, what, what are you guys involved in? What's going on? That's when Lois' chick started freaking out. Yeah, right. And she said, our house has been gone through and they're looking for, and I don't remember, I can't remember, it's been, you know, this many years. Uh, they're looking for, you know, a Christian friend, like, really, I guess, a close, close friend. And, you know, they didn't find him and this and that. I said, well, what's involving? You know, what's going on? It sounds really serious. And obviously she said, you know, don't say anything. And I'm not saying anything for four or five years, now, four right. years anyways, but it's just something that come on. It just kind of stuck my consequence. I just can't really kind of feel a lot better at least saying something. So nobody was ever looking at Christian as far as you know? It's, no, I, I know they weren't. Oh. I know they weren't. And then when he started to feel the heat, that's when he started uh, talking to me about joining the Marine Corps. And I said, you know, yeah, you don't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> why don't you just go ahead and, you know, if the Army's going to offer you this and that, you should take it. There you go, buddy. So, so he did. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just looking back, I was thinking what I want. You know, I have been honorably discharged already. Would I want this guy serving with my, you know, right. my friends? And the answer was no. Uh, and he had a lot of just like, you know, I was in a supervisory role. He had a lot of like behavioral issues and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And soon he started to feel what I would call the heat. You know, that's, he was gone to the army like that. Wow. Well, uh, Lois was just a friend of his. He was just, she was just a roommate, huh? Well, okay. Lois, her best friend, um, and I believe her name was Jackie. I can't be a hundred, I'm pretty sure it was Jackie. Right. Um, that's... Lois' best friend was dating Christian. Like, they were, you know, pretty serious, I guess, boyfriend, girlfriend. Right. So he was pretty much, I guess, before he joined the Army, one of these kids that just broke him home. I don't know the whole detail story. You know, everybody's got a story. But he, uh, I guess he kind of floated in between the house and whatever. And when I didn't, she was there. I guess that's when they came, you know, to investigate something. This was Lois' house. Well, yeah, an apartment. It was right at the end of, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the area. I'm really not, but it would be the apartment, like if you're going out of town on Highway 111, there's a little 7-Eleven. You're on your way out of town. Going out of town, like uh, up the hill? No, going out of town, like say you're going towards L.A. Oh, Palm Springs right. on Highway 111. Right, okay. Palm Springs down there? Well, yeah, it would be like, you know, when you're about to go by the tramway and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so before that, if you're driving down 111, there was a 7-Eleven convenience store, and it was kind of like a pink or maybe light, maybe tan-colored apartment right there. I don't have an address or anything, but I know that. That was before the tram, right before you hit the tram? Yeah. uh, Well, Holcomb, you know what I can ask real quick? I'll get you the street name. You know when you're going out of Palm Springs on Highway 111? What, you know that 7-Eleven that's right there? Is, is that the end of uh, Rappy Club? 
it's a racket club, okay? Yeah, it's at the end of a racket club, and then there'd be a 7-Eleven. If you were driving down a racket club towards the mountain, there'd be a 7-Eleven on your left-hand side. It's the apartment right behind the 7-Eleven. Oh, I got you. Okay. Kind of a shoddy area, but I know that's that's where they live. And this was has been a couple of years. Well, yeah, I mean, I I've seen uh, Lois actually just around in traffic, such like that. Gotcha. They they all work at the same location, so okay. all three of them. And then the uh, the individual who they pretty much said was responsible for it. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess they were all similar in age at the time, like you know teenagers, you know, early, late teens. Right. And from what I gathered, and this is just hearsay, but it seemed like kind of uh, maybe the female had wanted to, you know, end the relationship, and he wasn't really pretty on that. So. The female in that ended up dying. Yes, right. Correct. Right. So, gotcha. I gotcha. Well, you know what, let me, uh, let me give you my phone number. Yes. Hang on, I'm looking at that. That's really, I mean, I can't think of anything else, and I don't know if it's anything else. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Yes. It's. Oh, my name is Patterson. Ken Patterson. I'm with Sheriff's Homicide. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that's really all the information I have right now that I can think of, and I can't. Let's see, yeah, that's pretty much about all I know, but, you know, it's something that I, well, yeah, I said it was kind of, and I could ask somebody else, what would you do, you know, and their advice was, well, is this a family member that did it, is this a friend that did it, I said, no, it's neither, I mean, even if it was a friend, I'd probably have to say something, you know, but it's just, uh, it really did kind of dig at me for a while, even to know that much. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, hey, uh, I appreciate you giving a call, and I'll definitely pass this on to the guy that's working it. Okay, and uh, maybe, I don't know, I just, like I said, I don't want to leave my name or phone number out right. here to be private, but uh, maybe I'll check back in in a few weeks and see if I can, you know, see if it helps and all or what have you. Definitely, I, I definitely appreciate that. All right, Detective, have a good afternoon. Hey, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Selling a little, or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap, or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com audioboom. 
all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That's where this story begins. In 2011, Patterson recorded that anonymous phone call, and the caller presented nothing really of any relevance. It's kind of hard to decipher exactly what he's getting at, but the gist of the call was that the caller either overheard a conversation or talked directly to Lois Robinson, Kristen and Jackie's roommate, after that 2007 search of their house. He says that Lois said that their house got searched and that police were looking for Christian's friend. And that's really all he says. He says Christian didn't put all his cards on the table, but the caller, he says, could read between the lines. He basically says he just thinks Christian would be a good place for the investigators to start. Now, it had been four years at this point since he supposedly heard this information, and he says he doesn't really remember all the details. But he recalls that shortly after the search, Christian, he says, must have felt the heat and took off and joined the army. And that's it. That's all this anonymous caller says. A big nothing burger and a suspicion similar to Bo Nash being suspicious of Javier because he wrecked his car right after the murders and then he moved away. And in this case, it was actually five months later when Christian went to boot camp. And he had been planning to join the army since high school. So that's it. Five years after the murders, after watching a news report about the case, this guy calls police and tells them what they already knew. That Christian's house had been raided, as he says, and that Lois either told him or he overheard her saying that she was freaked out because police were looking for Christian's friend regarding these murders. And if you noticed, at the end of that call, the guy on the phone says, quote, Obviously, that's all the information I have right now that I can think of. And I can't, yeah, pretty much that's all I know. End quote. So that's 2011. Three years later, in 2014, Robert and Christian are arrested the first time. And just before trial, those charges were dropped. Then we jump up to 2016. So now we're five years after that anonymous call came in, which was five years after the murders and four years after the supposed conversation happened. So that anonymous caller said a 2007 conversation occurred and now we're in 2016, so nine years after that. And at this point, police have no idea who that caller was. Bodmer and Harvey have taken over the case now. They're in the cold case unit and they're searching for evidence that could support arresting the two guys again because they didn't have enough or really anything before. And somehow, five years later, Bodmer figures out that Jeremy Witt was the caller and he brings him in for an interview. Now, this interview is long, over an hour, 
and honestly, I think I lost about 50 points off of my IQ just listening to it. I'll post the full interview as a bonus later this week if you want to hear it all. Here, I'm just going to play about seven minutes of it for you, because shockingly, that's the only relevant portion, and really, that whole seven minutes isn't even relevant. You're going to hear Jeremy's new version of the story, and Bodmer spends a solid hour trying to get him to repeat it and clarify some things, and Witt talks about literally everything else but the important part, no matter what Bodmer is asking him including him insisting that the detective stop at a gas station on the way back to his house so that he can get a beer. Which, by the way, they agree to. So, what you're about to hear is the relevant portion of this 2016 interview after somehow Bodmer figured out that Jeremy Witt was the 2011 anonymous caller. Um, Okay, so... You know who these people are. You work there. Yeah. Uh, you're there from the 07, 08 seasons. Uh, we know what your position was and everything else right. like that. Um, what prompted you to make the phone call? That's the, if you can remember the exact what, what was it? You know, you know, what, what caused you to make the phone call? I talked to you know people I trust my life about it. Really, I don't care. I mean, it was conscience. That's what it was. Because you can go on, and you, we all know he's in the army and got shot. Whatever, a lot of people get shot. But you know what? I don't judge you for what you do. In the future, I judge you for what you did on that day. And the main thing is, is like, I mean, when I kept seeing the news and stuff like that, it just, it really, it ate at me. It ate at me and ate at me and ate at me. And for me to sit there and have fucking some kind of knowledge, just like. I don't, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not, listen, I'm not like, if it was down to one of my boys or something, I'm not a snitch, I'm not somebody's fucking, you know, a punk like that. Right. But as heinous as that was. Yeah, I mean, conscious, we, we're all human beings. That's that's what it was. Let me ask you this, it's 2011, the exact date is, uh, of that recording there, when it was all in October 4th, October 4th of 2011. Okay. it's a small community out here. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but there had been no real police activity. I, I think, is that safe to say? Had you heard, and, my, and that leads me into my, my question, mm-hmm. had you heard that they were suspects at all? Well, I didn't mean to know if he was a suspect or not. Okay. Well, I just wanted to ask that. And the reason I asked that, Jeremy, I'm just kind of curious. It's a highly publicized case. Yeah. It's just gets, it's kind of gotten into that point where it's a little convoluted because you know, KMR, these stations are doing stuff. And that's where actually, when they started covering it, bringing it up again, (laughs) that's when initially I was like, you know. All right. Well, tell me about, tell me about this incident that that happened over there and what house did it occur at? Which, uh, where you started to first get your suspicion based on the information you said. It was, it was mostly, like I started noticing, okay, the wave pool at that water park faces a hill mm-hmm. and he would always stand in the same spot he was always fucking looking and right. it just like you keep staring at you're supposed to be watching the water how about the three second rule all this other stuff yeah and he started talking one day okay and that was you know all i needed to really fucking hear all right what did he say he said that he had gone up there mm-hmm. and that something had gone wrong mm-hmm. and they Basically, I don't know if I said it there or not, they 
burned the place. Okay. That's what he said. All right. So he looked at you and told you straight out. That's straight out with... I can tell you with the fucking sunglasses he was wearing that day. And okay. don't worry about dates and whatever. It goes that far back to where it's just drilled in my head. Right. He was wearing aviator Ray-Bans. All right. And he looked at you and told you that. <clears throat> and I said, I said, so what? I said, you know, I can't remember exactly how the conversation went, but he was always army this, army that. And I was trying to, no offense, kick his ass in the Marine Corps, but it's a good thing he's not because that would be an embarrassment. But yeah. Basically, I said, so what? I said, you're a killer, huh? You know how to kill? Like, stuff like that. And he just kind of, he just looked away. But he, he, he kind of just, it wasn't just a look away. Right. I don't know how to, I, you know, going back and telling you the detail of what he was wearing and how smug-faced he was, he knew exactly what he was saying. All right. What would, what would stop you from saying that in the moment? Like right there. I, I tried to say, I don't even want to, how you guys found me just blows my effing mind. Yeah. Because I said, I don't want to say, I don't want to be different or anything else like that. Were you afraid for your safety? Yeah. Yeah, and I, at this point, okay, hey, you were in the Army, he's part of a special operations unit. Yeah. So, at this point, me talking to you brings concerns again. I'm yeah. by myself. Right. You know? I hear you. Okay. So, this occurred, and you were on shift, and he and you guys were at the... At the wake, oh, I'm sorry, the, the wave pool. Right. Wave pool. Yeah, because I was the whole farm. So. And, uh. Can I get that water, by the way? Yeah, yeah. I yep. definitely can. Oh, okay. No worries. Actually, no, I'll have it brought in. So you're, I'm just trying to get the context of this down. Mm -hmm. At this time, can you describe your relationship between the two of you? Strictly professional? Had you befriended each other? Um, you know, I would say. It wasn't professional. Like I mean, I had, I, like I said, I'd gone over and said, "Hey, we're playing fucking beer pong. Time to go." Yeah. He seemed like uh, somebody who was like trying to be responsible, who wanted to step up, who you know obviously knew he didn't want to stay around and work at a you know amusement park or whatever. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, I guess I could say I kind of tried to take him under my wing a little bit. I always thought every day I talked to him when I was there working. You know, right. there wasn't a day that went by that. You know, when he was on shift that I didn't, you know, at least see him in the break room or in passing or, you know, being uh, security, you'd get different calls at different locations in the park. And yeah, he would, I mean, he was present. He worked, you know, he worked his ass off. He did work there you know, pretty much all the time. I can recall that he had, you know, already graduated and everything like that. So he was full-time staff. Right. You know, so I did see him every day. And he was with Jackie too. I yeah, that was his girlfriend. Okay. Right. And then they lived in the same house with Lois. And okay. So. All right. Okay. So, um, is it safe to say that he looked up to you because of your military experience? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, you have to ask him that. No. Well, I mean, did he ask you a lot of questions about? Yeah. No, he did. He did. And uh, you know, he would ask about the army, and of course, I was never in the army. My grandfather, you saw hanging on my wall, was. But yeah. I, you know, several people in my family have served in different branches, so I just told them what I could about it, you know? Right. Okay. And, like, the Army stands for aren't ready for the Marines yet. Just, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. You know, I'm, good I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I heard it all. <laughs> so, no, it was just, um, it was more casual. And, okay. Mean, he picked whatever he picked, and that's all I knew about it. I had seen, you know, or heard later on that he had graduated from boot camp and was, but I was just, you know, he asked a lot of questions, and I'm just trying to tell him that, you know, not everybody gets to go, you know, oh, they're saying I can go be a ranger right away and all this other shit. I'm like, yeah, they told my brother in the Navy he could go be a pilot right away. 
doesn't always happen that way. It's what right. you do when you get in. Right. You know, so just basic stuff like that. Sure. Not, not anything. Sure. You know. Okay. So that's an interesting conversation to run into them on in that. Was there any other situations that happened away from the park uh, where you had a feeling or because you talked about some stuff in there, um, were you privy to any conversations other than his? I, I didn't. Were you, did you hear any conversations or anything like that um, away from the water park about the, about that about the murders that happened in Vegas? Yes, and tell me, like I said, Lois would be a, a good one to start with because she's the one that called. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. So there you have it. This is the alleged timeline. Witt says that in 2007, he heard from Lois that their house had been raided by police and that Lois was freaked out about it. At that point, it was four years after the fact, and he literally said in that interview that that's all he knows. Then, five years after that, in 2016, so again, now we're nine years after the alleged incident, Bodmer finds Jeremy, and now Jeremy says that one day Christian was staring up towards the mountains, which he did all the time, and Wit told him to snap out of it, and Christian then proceeded to confess to him that something went wrong and they had to burn the place down. An hour later into that interview, Bodmer finally reins him in, and Wit retells a story as Christian saying that, quote, they had to torch the fucking place. Up 
Honestly, I can't even dignify this nonsense by trying to explain to you all the reasons why I believe Jeremy Witt is completely full of shit. You can figure that out on your own. It's that ridiculous. And here's just a snapshot of what we learn about Witt through the impeachment witnesses. For example, Corey Smith was a manager at the water park in 2008. He testified about an incident where Jeremy came to the park with a hatchet in his truck and said he was going to kick the general manager out of the park. And if the general manager didn't leave, then Witt said he was going to have to kill him. Police were called, and obviously that was Witt's last day of employment at the water park. And if you listen to the bonus interview that I'm going to put up in a couple days, you'll hear Jeremy explain how his employment ended, how he quit the park and decided to just move on to bigger and better things. Not him showing up to work with a hatchet and, I'm assuming, getting fired as the police were called. Here's another one. A Riverside County deputy named Daniel Godnick testified about an incident where he was called for a disturbance caused by Wit, where he was harassing people, and he found a loaded gun on Wit's front seat, and he was arrested. And here's another one. One of Jeremy's neighbors testified about an incident where he and another condo resident were outside talking, and Jeremy walked up to them, harassing them, and as he walked up, he pulled up his shirt to reveal a gun tucked in his waistband, and they screamed and ran away. And while trying to give details, he testified that it's actually hard to pinpoint how long it took the police to arrive during that incident because he's had to call the police on Jeremy Witt for harassing people at the complex and threatening people, including himself, he estimates around 20 times. And I actually interviewed this neighbor, Greg Ellis, personally last year at his home. The incident I just described occurred in 2016, and Greg told me that after 2016, Jeremy Witt was, his words, untouchable by the police. He said that no matter what Witt did, the police would always just let him off the hook. Nothing ever happened to him. There's another witness who testified that when defense investigators trying to contact him, Witt impersonated him, the witness, by texting them and claiming to be them. This was actually one of Jeremy's friends. So that was not super clear. The investigators reached out to this witness and Jeremy didn't want that witness to talk to investigators, so he texts the investigators saying that he was the witness. And the list goes on and on. The bottom line is this. The case against Robert and Christian was so weak, and we know now actually non-existent, that this is the level that the state stooped to to get their conviction. Let me recap. Four years after an alleged conversation took place with Lois, Jeremy called police and told them about the conversation and said that's all he knew. Five years later, Bodmer somehow tracks Wit down, a guy with a rap sheet as long as my arm, and he interviews him. In that interview, the story is completely different. Now, Christian directly confesses to Jeremy out of the blue and he waited nine years to tell anyone. And rather than acknowledging that this appears to be a man possibly just trying to cash in on the reward, the state hides him from the defense, springs him on them at a pretrial hearing so they can't properly cross-examine him, and then finds a way for that testimony to be read to the jury so that the defense can't cross-examine him 
at all. Here's the thing. When you have an actual case with actual evidence, you don't need to pull bullshit like this. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and sound engineered by Shane Yoder. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. All of our fonts across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design, and you can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnick, Ginger Fiola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. And I can be found personally on all forms of social media at BobRuffTruth. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Jumanji just got real. Only at Chessington World of Adventures. Featuring Daredevil Dad, Mom on a Mission, and the kids who can't wait to ride the world's first Jumanji roller coaster. An epic adventure awaits. World of Jumanji. Only at Chessington World of Adventures. Book this summer's must-do day out at Chessington.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.